For many centuries has it been called the months, the days, the menstruation. What about we normalize the word periods for once? In this episode, we'll be talking all about that blood coming out of vaginas every month. We'll be talking about its myths, trying to dismantle them, and breaking the stigma surrounding that word. If you're a menstruator, hello bitch, welcome to the club. If you're a non-menstruator, that's fine too. It's important that also you have an understanding of what they are, so that when it comes to having conversation about periods, you have a knowledge about it, especially if you, for instance, sit in government. If you're a TMI person, too much information, then this might not be the episode for you because it's going to be very graphic. And I'm going to mention blood and the word period very often. But if you're not, then listen along. Hello everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of Overreacting the Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Ceriso, and every week we overreact to important topics regarding intersectional feminism. This week, guys, it's a very special week because it's Menstrual Health Awareness Week. Actually, on Friday is Menstrual Health Awareness Day, but I thought that we might use the whole week to educate people around it because I think one day is not enough and we should dedicate ourselves longer than 24 hours regarding this important topic that affects half the population that we cannot just blend it out for every day. First of all, we need to kind of clear up the anatomy behind periods, the biology. And that is periods is, by definition, the release of blood from the uterus to the vagin, through the vagina, through the vagina. Oh, I understand what's going on. You're all on the same cycle. This is very exciting. Your uterine walls will be shedding for the next three to five days. Nice memorization. Did you Google that? I may have. Because you're women. And I think that's a beautiful thing. It's like a crime scene in my pants. Periods are caused by a change of hormones in the body. A menstrual cycle includes the period, but it's not the period itself. The female reproductive system consists of two hormones, estrogen and progesterone, and these are released by the ovaries in the body. These two hormones cause the lining of the uterus, so it's kind of like the inner wall of the uterus that basically builds up for a possible pregnancy, so like to hold a possible growing baby in there and, you know, furnishing with nutrition and everything that the baby needs to grow. Now, the same hormones that build up this lining of the uterus also release the egg cell from the ovaries. This egg cell then is transported to the uterus through the tubes that you might know. Some people get their tubes tied, so you might know it from there, into the uterus. And then in the uterus, it waits for a sperm to fertilize it. If people have sex and the sperm enters the body and manages to fertilize the egg cell, the person gets pregnant. And then the cell grows inside this uterus prepared for the child. If a sperm doesn't manage to fertilize this egg cell, then the lining, so the inner walls of the uterus, breaks down and it bleeds. And that is the period. Therefore, so in the period blood, there is not only blood there, there's also uterus tissue, so that's slime. There is mucus lining, a little bit of bacteria, 
And it includes the egg cell that wasn't fertilized. So the egg cell is always discharged through the period blood. So it's like a little washing mechanism, but it really isn't. So next time you go to a car wash, imagine you're inside a vagina. Now, this whole process takes one month. So the building of a new lining of the uterus takes a month to build. So that is why it takes always a month for a person to get their period. And the rest is defined as the menstrual cycle. Now I'm going to go to some ask questions that I've seen very often on the internet and, that, and some questions that I've asked myself when I first got my period. I'm going to tell them to you now and answer them by the knowledge I found on the internet and by my experience. When can a person get pregnant? Or can you get pregnant on your period? So I'm going to tell you during ovulation, so when your egg cell is released from the ovaries, that is the best time to get pregnant. That is why parents or people trying to get pregnant track when they're ovulating, because that is just the perfect time for where the egg cell is just waiting for a sperm and everything is ready. So that is why people do that at that time of the cycle. Technically, you can't get pregnant on your period because there is no lining and anything to prepare it to like, you know, hold it in and everything but by fact sperm is able to survive in the uterus for up to five days so if you have sex on maybe your like penultimate day of period the sperm will wait sperm is patient honey if you don't practice safe sex which is if you don't use a condom or don't use preconceptives and everything you might get pregnant now, when I encountered this question, I was like in fifth grade and a boy in my class was like about another girl. Oh, she's probably in her period. It's the end of the month. And I was like, sweetie, I was like, oh my God, you're so cute. I was like that because it's not true. Periods do not come at the end of the month every time. They can, they might. It doesn't by fact like everyone gets their period at the end of the month. It depends from the person when the period is going to come. Because sometimes the period can also come earlier and then the next month it will come earlier as well by consequence but it's not something that's fixed sometimes the period can also vary and come twice a month but that can be due to health conditions or an infection or you might be in your pre-menopause that your period is so irregular but for this you could use birth control to regulate the periods due to artificial hormones that are helpful for making the periods more regular but first always go to your doctor now how long do periods last Normally it's five days, but it could also be less days, like three. I, I'm so jealous of people who have three days periods, but like regular three days periods. You might have more, you might have less, but normally it's five. Until when do people have periods? That's until menopause, so around the age of 45 and 56. Everyone with an uterus reaches menopause, and that is when you stop having periods. And of course, well, when you're pregnant, you don't get your period for 10 months, but you stop like actually having periods in your menopause. How much blood does a person lose? So this might be surprising because when you look down at whatever you're using to catch your blood, it always looks like a lot. It looks like somebody has stabbed you in your vagina. And you feel like, I didn't know it was possible for a human to have this much blood in their body. And I just lost it all. <laughs> Legitimately. Who feels that way too? But it actually is only a few tablespoons. It's actually two to three tablespoons that you lose. Like in five days of period. It's really horrifying when you see it. 
And also, out of these three tablespoons, on the second day, you'll lose the most amount of blood. I don't know why, but always on the first days, you lose more blood. I think because it accumulates. And in the final days, it's like there's not much blood left inside the uterus. So there's not much blood coming out. I think it's because of that. But normally on the second day, it's always the most amount of blood. And you need to be sure to have two pads or tampons or whatever you use in your bag for, you know, changing the diapers. And this leads me to our next little block, which is period products. Tampon! What? what? I need a tampon! I thought you used David cups. <laughs> Only tampons, the best of tampons! I think the basic period product that you've heard of is tampons and pads, um, but there are a lot more actually. And that really is cool because more alternatives are being created for different people who are not comfortable with wearing a tampon or a pad, which is really fantastic because each one of them has a pro and a con and it's great if there is more variety to choose from. Now let's start with the famous one, okay? The tampons. The tampons are, for those who don't know, are those long little plugs made of cotton that you insert into the vagina. Um, they have this little string that you pull when it has absorbed all the blood and then you throw it in the trash. Do not throw it in the toilet because you don't want your tampon to be the reason why you spend a lot of money on the plumber. The pro sides of this tampon is, of course, that it avoids leaking. Oh, leaking is the worst thing because it catches the blood inside the body. Um, so there is no way that the blood can leak on your underwear or whatever because it is stopped right at the source. There is no way that blood can drip out. Of course, it might a little bit, especially when it's a lot the first days, but there's a smaller chance that it will. Also, many people say that it's very comfortable in all moments and it's good for, for sports people because it allows mobility and you don't worry that it's going to move. Even though you might be worried that it might be stuck in there and you lose the string somehow and you're scared that you won't be able to take it out. But I asked my mother and she said that, yeah, it's a normal fear, but it doesn't happen because it's created such as to be able to be retrieved and thrown in the trash. So, you know, don't worry about it. If you use a tampon, great choice. Now, the conscious are, though, that since it is inserted into the vagina and it absorbs blood, it also absorbs other bacteria and liquids that are in the vagina and dry it, raising the risk of getting infections. And it can also increase the risk of toxic shock syndrome. I didn't know that existed. But it's basically also an infection that is when a strep bacteria develops in the vagina and is absorbed in the bloodstream that can lead then to painful symptoms and also to death um, if it's um, not treated well. But don't be alarmed. Toxic shock syndrome is very rare, but still something to be looked out for. Let's go over to pads. Pads is me. I'm a pad girl. There's a lot of cons in this. I can tell you a lot of cons of pads, but I feel the most comfortable with pads. In fact, because they are attached to the underwear and not inserted into the vagina and also made of cotton. This also doesn't have a lot of risk of toxic shock syndrome, but still contrasts are a lot more. Here, unlike tampons, this one can move out of place and then you will leak 
your pants or your underwear, whatever you do, there is a very high chance that you might bleed through the pads and that's not a great thing to do. So also that it can cause a full odor if it's worn too long. So if you wear it for an entire day, it will not smell like flowers at the end. And it can also cause itchiness and a swollen rash if not changed often, which you must do. The next product that has been introduced to the market not a while ago, that was the menstrual cup. This is a little cup, you might have heard of it. It's a little cup made of silicone and latex rubber that can be reused and that is also inserted into the vagina. It's so flexible that you can kind of squish it and insert it into the vagina and then when you let it go, it turns into this little bell form and it's perfectly stuck inside your vaginal canal that it catches the blood and doesn't allow any leaking at all. Now, uh, this is good because it doesn't dry the vagina like the tampon. It removes foul odor, so you don't have to worry about that. And it's environmental friendly because it doesn't have as many chemicals as pads and tampons have. And it can also be reused, so you just need to clean it very often. And of course, it costs more because it's new and it's a very good alternative to tampons. So there is that. Then the next thing that has also been introduced newly was the period underwear, which is basically like a reusable underwear that can absorb blood. You don't need pad, you don't need nothing. The period product is the underwear. Here you don't have to worry about inserting anything, nor do you have to worry about leaking because you can't leak on an underwear that is made for absorbing blood. And it's environmentally friendly because you only need to wash it to be able to reuse it. But of course, you will need to wash it very often because you don't want to run out of underwear to wear during the day when you're in a period. And a negative thing is that it can produce foul odor like a normal underwear. So that's the negative part. But it's good because you don't have to spend a lot of money on tampons and other things. The final thing that I want to talk to you about, which is not a period product, but it's a good way to manage your period, and that is through free bleeding. You might have heard of it, maybe, and that basically consists of no products. It's literally timing when your blood will flow so that you can discharge it directly into the toilet. So you need to really have a great sense of timing, and maybe you'll have to track when your period comes to be able to discharge it directly into the toilet without having to, without leaking and anything on your underwear and everything. This is environmentally friendly, absolutely. There is literally no product that you're using. There's no waste of products and there's absolutely no risk of infections. But of course, this one's incredibly hard to do because you need to have a fantastic sense of timing to be able to do this. And also, another thing is that not everyone is able to do this because if you're, for instance, in school, you cannot just say, oh, my period has fallen. Can I go now? You know, it's really hard because you'll miss school and not everyone could be able to do that or has the time to go to the bathroom at any time. So that's a negative side. But the idea is really great. Now, you'll be asking yourself, how big is the uterus to be able to fit all this in? I thought it would be the size of a big ham, <laughs> but it actually surprisingly is as big as a fist. So close your fist now, look at it. That's how big your uterus is. Is that small? But obviously it can grow in size when there is an inflammation or when you're pregnant, of course, to fit in the baby. But still, it's so small. What? Now let's get to the dirty business. What are symptoms of periods? And when we get mad, you always ask us if we're on our periods. I have to know whether you're serious or not. I wish I could menstruate. 
If I could menstruate, I wouldn't have to deal with idiotic calendars anymore. I'd just be able to count down from my previous cycle. Plus, I'd be more in tune with the moon and the tides. Well, the one we've all been experienced is premenstrual syndrome, PMS in short, which is irritability, depression, and oversensitivity, as well as moodiness. Moodiness is when you change moods all the time. You go from crying to be angry to being incredibly happy, to being incredibly sad, to being completely irritated and nervous. That's moodiness, and it's horrible. Also, you get a lot of bloating, you need to fart all the time, you get acne sometimes, and the worst thing, you get cramps. Oh, oh, God, that's no big deal. Most women don't even feel them. Okay, no uterus, no opinion. I am so jealous of people who don't have cramps or who have really light cramps because, bitch, my cramps are as if I'm being stabbed over and over and over and over again everywhere down there. I had to miss school sometimes or had to, like, go home because I didn't have any painkillers to get my pain down. And this is all fault of this one hormone called prostaglandine, wonderful name, that basically causes the contraction of the uterus to be able to expel the lining. And apart from that, when you don't have cramps, you also have diarrhea and vomiting at the same time, maybe. You get an incredible tiredness as well. You get incredible food craving. You start wanting to eat everything. Sometimes what I get also is headaches, Horrible headaches, really painful. You might also get a low-grade fever, but if it gets too high and if it persists, then there might be an infection and you need to go to the doctor. So it can vary depending on the period. Talking about doctors, this leads me to my next point, which is, are there irregularities of my period to look out for? Yes, if you are 15 or 16 years old and you haven't gotten your period yet, go to the doctor because there might be something wrong with the uterus or whatever. So go to the doctor. If you stop having your period for a long period of time, that means like two years or something, and you're not pregnant or in premenopause or menopause, then you need to go to the doctor too. If you have extremely severe cramps that don't go away with painkillers like ibuprofen, me and ibuprofen, we've become best friends in the past couple of years. We're this close, like... Ibuprofen has always gotten my back. So if you have extremely severe cramps, go to the doctor because it's not normal. The same thing counts for when you have a very, very heavy bleeding. That means when your blood goes through your pad or your tampon or whatever very fast. That means under an hour, it's soaked through. Go to the doctor. It's not normal to have that much amount of blood on the first days, even if it's a lot on the first days, because there might be an infection, like for instance, fibroids, which is a tumor growing the uterus. There might be a yeast infection, which is a fungal infection in the vaginal area. And you might have ovarian cysts who are rupturing. I've had ovarian cysts, and thankfully they didn't rupture. So be warned and um, go to the doctor before it's too late. Now, The part we've all been waiting for, which is the period myths. Popular myths about periods and period products. The first one is that you can't have sex on your period. And that is wrong because you can. Only that it might be messy and maybe uncomfortable. Maybe you even shouldn't have sex on your period because it helps alleviate the period cramps. Because during sex, there is a hormone released, which releases a tension that is in your muscles. So have sex if you want to have less cramps. The second one is only women get periods. 
and that one is also wrong because there are some transgender men and non-binary people who also have uteruses and therefore menstruate. The third one is one that causes a lot of difficulty to, to grasp in some countries more than others, especially in developing countries, and that is that periods are shameful and impure. This is absolutely wrong. Periods are not shameful. They're really normal, honestly. If you get them, they're completely normal. It's people from the outside, people who don't know about or who didn't get them, are those who are scared of them because they don't know about it. Everything that the human being doesn't know, they are scared of. Therefore, they put this label on everything that they don't know as shameful or something that shouldn't be talked about because they just simply don't know about it or are informed about it. Saying this basically fuels the stigma that already surrounds periods. A woman's cycle is a shameful thing. Why? It's unmentionable. That's why. That's not a reason. Why don't you ever understand anything? Morello says it's God's plan, so doesn't that make it good? I mean, you can make a whole person. Where's the shame in that? Am I the only one who thinks she's out of her mind? It's a secret, Anne. That's just the way it is. One myth that I've also seen around is that inserting a tampon into your vagina will take your virginity. It's so shocking that there are so many people who think it is true because these people consider breaking the hymen, which for those who don't know, it's a membrane that closes the vaginal opening, is considered as taking the virginity. So like, because when the penis during sex, when the penis enters the vagina, it breaks the hymen because it breaks that membrane that is protecting the actual inside of the vagina because it expands and stretches this membrane. So inserting the tampon would be kind of equal to inserting a penis. But then you think, yeah, but anything can stretch this membrane or break it. Like even if you're if you're mounting on a horse, the hymen might break because you're stretching with your open legs, you're stretching the muscle. So that can break the hymen too. So would you say that that is also taking your virginity? And then you ask yourself, okay, but what about homosexual couples? Um, they don't have vaginas. Do they never lose their virginity? Or people who don't like penetration during sex? Would you say that they never lose their virginity? See, that's already questions the whole point of virginity. And therefore, a tampon wouldn't really make a difference when it comes to what takes your virginity. So it's wrong. And stop saying that too. Now two more symptoms related myths is that exercising while menstruating is unhealthy. That is absolutely wrong because it might even help alleviate the cramps and lighten the mood and your motivation. Another one is you shouldn't swim while menstruating. I actually encountered this one. My mom, when I got my period and we went to the beach, for instance, she always told me if you're on the first days, you shouldn't go into the water. But if you're on your final days, you can because the water basically slows down the flow and temporarily stops the period because the gravity in the water isn't as strong as when you're outside the water. So swimming wouldn't be a problem in the last days. But in the first days, you might consider using a tampon. But you don't have to worry about like shark attacks. There have not been like any cases where sharks have attacked people because they were on their period and losing blood in the water. No, that just doesn't happen. Especially because you don't lose that much period blood that a shark can sense it from far away. They would have to be very close to you to be able to sense your blood. So that will not like make a greater risk for you of getting attacked by a shark at a beach. So don't worry about that. 
do periods synchronize? They can, but by fact they don't. So like it's not fixed that they've been synchronized. Another thing is that is always said is yeah, women are too emotional when they're in their periods. Yes, they have mood swings, but their emotions are still valid. Like saying, oh, you're in your period, we shouldn't listen to you. Why does them being on their period decide on whether their opinions are valid or not? That's just stupid because in the end, periods are just changes in hormones. And men who don't menstruate also have hormones who work all the time in their bodies. So why are their opinions more valid than the women's? That just shows that sentence is just a social contract to put women down, just, you know, shut them up and not listen to their opinions and oppress them. So stop saying that. Girls crave chocolate when they are on their period. That is not a fact, but... Actually, dark chocolate does help reduce the pain of cramps because it is rich in magnesium. It has a lot of magnesium in it and magnesium relaxes the contracted muscles. So if you get your period and it's a hard period, put on a romantic comedy, eat some chocolate and put a little warm heating on your stomach and you're good to go. Is menstrual blood different from normal blood? Nope. Blood is blood. It's the same blood, only that it has extra things in it like we've said the excel and the tissue and everything but it's the same blood because in the end your body shares one blood system the last thing a phrase that i've heard very often that is wrong is periods are a private issue actually in 2014 menstrual health so period health was declared a public health issue by the un because many people don't have safe access to period products And I'm going to tell you why by explaining you what period poverty is. Period poverty is a global issue affecting especially girls and women who don't have access to safe period products and who are unable to talk about it openly due to the stigma surrounding it. So here in the Western countries and the more developed countries, we have basic access to period products And we also have access to sex education. But still we fight against the stigma still surrounding it and the discriminatory taxes that still are set on peer products. And also for non-menstruators to be interested in the conversation as well. But in developing countries, it's a bigger problem because there they don't have access either at all or safe and quality access to education about sex and periods as well as period products. And um, the consequences of this for the people in developing countries is that especially many girls have to miss multiple days of school when they're on their period, mainly because they are seen as impure. And apart from that, because they don't have products to protect themselves with, to like catch the blood and protect themselves with. And therefore the blood would like leak and everyone would see that they're on their period. Everyone would be like, oh, you're disgusting. So they miss school because of it. And like we've heard in the last episode, Ruchit has told us about his sisters in India who were locked in when they were on their periods because it might have a negative look for the family and, you know, a shameful thing for the family. And in the end, for the girls who are in the situation, this is a negative impact for their education. This leads them to drop out. And so also due to this lack of education, they are more likely to be forced into an arranged marriage. And this obviously creates a greater risk of ending up in a relationship with domestic violence. When I get mine, I stay home from school because I don't want to have an accident. Accident? There was a girl a few years ago 
who bled right through the back of her dress. Oh, I would die of mortification. The teacher called her up to the blackboard, and everybody saw. I would just die. Obviously, also due to the lack of good quality products and hygiene facilities, medical facilities, their health is put at risk because the majority of them have to use dirty rags or use cloths that are not clean and can create a lot of infections for them. The infections that I've been talking to you earlier, here we have the luck that we have doctors who are experts in this and who are willing to help you. There, it's everything is more taboo and nobody wants to hear about you and your period and so you're more likely there to be in danger for your life because nobody wants to help you. Period poverty also gives girls and women especially a lack of knowledge over their own bodies. So that makes it easier for the government and men especially to control their bodies. Encourage, for instance, female genital mutilation, which is uh, the mutilation of the female's genitals to make them seem more pure and to increase the man's pleasure when they have sex with the women. And so this lack of knowledge of their own bodies gives them that bodily autonomy away so not only is education the key but we need also to sign petitions to countries in need some people could volunteer if they want to for non-profit organizations in order to help the people in person and provide safe medical care if we look at it from here with our privilege we need to use it to raise awareness and try to break the stigma surrounding periods in general so that we can make it easier for other countries, developing countries, to do the same and adapt to more modern values. If we break the stigma here, we can set an example for those there. So please educate yourself more on this, not only this week. Try to be informed about this or be interested in it, just in having conversation about periods. That helps too, just being interested in it and just not making this word and this thing show as if it's something disgusting or shameful to be talked about because we don't have time to say something like this here if we want to change things in developing countries. Of course, next to signing petitions and volunteering, we can also donate, which is exactly what uh, we're going to do on Saturday on the Overreacting Instagram account. I'll be going live and I'll be holding a fundraiser for this nonprofit organization called Days for Girls. It's an organization that basically is dedicated to advancing menstrual equity all over the world. And they do that by providing environmental friendly pads. They have this DFG pad which basically contains different sanitary products that is very helpful. And they spread this in especially developing countries. And they also educate people and give classes about periods and menstrual health to break the stigma surrounding it. So they do these two things at the same time. That's really fantastic. And that is why I've decided to do a fundraiser for them. You can join me on Saturday at overreacting underscore pod on Instagram. If you want, you can donate. If you have money, you can donate as much as you want. Or if you can't donate, you can also just join to learn something more and kind of keep the conversation going and please raise awareness on this topic because it's very very important also on my stories of films account i have started a mini series that contains five episodes that depict five of the many meanings that the period might have for different people and it's meant to raise awareness on the different layers that the period can have for different people and especially show that not every period is the same 
And this series will end on Friday on the official Menstrual Health Awareness Day. And that day on the Overreacting Instagram page, I'll post a lot of sources where you can study from on that day. And um, additionally, I want to give you the recommendation of the week. And that is the documentary short film called Period End of Sentence. This film came out in 2019. It was made by the Indian filmmaker Raika Tetapchi and it basically depicts the life of a group of women in rural India who fight against the stigma surrounding menstruation by beginning to manufacture their own sanitary pads. But the problem was that during the periods it was very difficult to change the napkins. Very difficult. I had to go quite far. It was extremely difficult. The cloth I used got wet quickly, so I had to change it quite often, which means I had to leave frequently. It became too bothersome. Then there were the young boys and men around. They would look at us. How are we supposed to change in front of them? That is really interesting because it shows the reality of how period poverty affects women in developing countries and shows that education and knowledge is important to be able to realize this problem in the first place. So education is key to wake people up and break the stigma and show that this is a problem because still it is not seen as one. And some girls out there just don't know that their periods are not something to be ashamed of. And we need to change that. Hashtag periods without shame. So, mi gente, this was this episode of this week. Thank you for listening. I hope you like this episode of periods. I've never said the word periods so often, one time after the other before. Thank you for listening. I hope you could learn something as a menstruator, as a non-menstruator. I hope that you non-menstruators were able to kind of have an idea of what we go through every month keep the conversation going and keep following menstrual health awareness week i'll see you next week and don't forget feminists are not overreacting but period cramps might okay bye